to you today about how to hope. What are you hoping for? So you look back over this last year, what were you hoping for? What are you hoping for for this next year? Just have a think. What are you hoping for? Well, hold that thought. Let's see. This is what Elon Musk is hoping for. He wants a rocket that can get us to planet Mars. And the reason for that is because he wants humans to be multi-planetary species. So if a meteor hits the Earth, we've got some other humans on another planet. We'll be fine. Or if there's ecological disaster, there's going to be some of us in Mars and we'll, we'll, have, been, we'll have diversified and we're fine. So that's what he's hoping for. Or the next one, this is a lady called Ursula Kaczynski. Um, maybe we put our hope in politics. And it wasn't, I hadn't quite realized we've got Fleur coming today. <laughs> but this was, she was a brilliant spy in World War II. There's a, a novel all about her. And she lived in London for a bit of her career. And she was fighting, com, uh, fighting Nazism because she thought communism was the solution for a fairer, better world. Um, And at the close of this book by a chap called Ben McIntyre, it said, she was 10 years old when the Bolshevik Revolution took place and 82 when the Berlin Wall came down. Her life spanned the whole of communism from its tumultuous beginnings to its cataclysmic downfall. She embraced that ideology with unqualified fervor of youth and saw it die from the disappointed perspective of extreme old age. She spent her adult life fighting for something she believed to be right and died knowing much of it had been wrong. Our politics, the hope for our nation, for our world. Maybe you've got little hope at work. Culture's not going to change at my workplace. Or the contracts or deals won't come through. Or maybe you've got relationships where there's la- you're lacking hope. Or friendships. I read a report in London. One in 12 Londoners are severely lonely. Maybe there's a lack of hope relationships will be restored. They've been broken for too long. I've, I'm in that boat. I've got a relationship in my extended family. It's been broken for over 10 years now. Little sign of hope this next Christmas. And another one will roll around. Where is hope? Well, let's see what the Bible has to say about this. So if you want to pull out the Bible, we're in Luke chapter 2, reading from verse 22 on page 1033. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. 
And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do to him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul too, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him. Let's pray. Father, would you speak to us through the example of Simeon and Anna and help us to marvel at your son. In Jesus' name, amen. In our passage today, we meet two elderly people who meet this newborn Jesus. Isn't there something in the wisdom of the old? Yes, I hear. Yes, louder, Steve. (laughs) Ursula Kaczynski, she's seen it all. If you're old, you've had plenty of dreams dashed. You've had bitter experience. You've had hopes, maybe some fulfilled, but some dashed many times. And yet, look at the reaction of these two old people when they meet Jesus. Simeon, he's devout and he's led by the Holy Spirit. God's shown him something. Look at verse 26 with me. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So God said, before you die, you're going to see this promised Messiah. Likewise, we meet Anna. She's old and godly, verse 37. God's shown, she's very godly. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. That's, that's pretty godly if you're doing that all the time in the temple. And she's been waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem, verse 38. Both have been looking forward for God to rescue his people. And then a baby arrives and they say, wow, God is fulfilling his promises in this baby. Their hopes, what they've been longing for all their lives, have led them to Jesus. Simeon's been hoping for something and all his life and then he sees Jesus and he says, what does he say about Jesus? He says, Jesus is came to save. 
37, sorry, verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Notice he takes a person into his arms. He says, he takes a baby into his arms and he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. God's hope for the world, God's plan to save the world is a person. It's not a thing. It's not a structure. It's not a system. But a person. He didn't take Ursula's copy of the Communist Manifesto and say, my eyes have seen your salvation. He didn't take Elon Musk's rocket and say, my eyes have seen your salvation. He didn't take a financial plan, a budget, into his arms and say, my eyes have seen your salvation. He didn't take the seed of a tree, which is going to consume carbon, or a solar panel. He didn't take that into his arms and say, my eyes have seen your salvation. He took a baby into his arms and he said, my eyes have seen your salvation. We hope for salvation or we hope that things are going to be fine in all these other areas. But God's shown us how to be saved. He says, put your hope in this person, in this one. He is your salvation. In this baby, God shows us what really needs addressing. We've got a lot of problems in the world, and Fleur alluded to some of the the challenges that we've got in our parish in this constituency. And I don't want to diminish them, but it tells us from God's perspective, my biggest need and your biggest need is to be saved from our sin, our rebellion against God, which is why we need a saviour. That's why the baby is our salvation. God didn't send us a rocket ship or an economic plan or a list of rules to save us. He sent us a saviour. Jesus came to save. Secondly, we see Jesus came to save all nations. Simeon carries on. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation, verse 30. Look down with me. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Jesus came to save all nations. God's plan has always been for all nations to be drawn to himself. And so as we look at the Old Testament, we see little glimmers of God drawing the nations to himself. Abraham's seed were going to bring blessing to the nations. And so we drawn into Abraham's family, into the Jewish people. We had Egyptians. They turned their back when the, the Hebrews were leaving Egypt. You'll remember that some of the Egyptians turned their back on Pharaoh and they joined God's people. They said, we're going to become one of them. We had Rahab, who was a Canaanite. She lived in Jericho. Flo was 
it's like it's like I've given you the talk. Thank you so much for. She was in Jericho, um, where Fleur was earlier this year, and she turned her back on being a Canaanite and she joined God's people. Ruth was a Moabite and she swapped her passport to join God's people. And then we have the Queen of Sheba from East Africa. We had Naaman from Syria joining God's people and worshipping the living God. So we get these glimpses right through the Old Testament of God drawing people from all nations to himself. And then the floodgates open when Jesus' followers go out and they spread the good news to the nations. Jesus came to save all nations. And notice, um, he says, he's a light for revelation to the Gentiles, verse 32. People across the world have different ideas about God. But Jesus reveals God to us. He shows us what God is like. Um, My friend Joe was told by his mate, I'd believe in God if he walked in front of me. So my my mate Joe said, well, he did walk in front of us. He walked in front of us 2,000 years ago. Jesus is revelation to us. He shows us what God is like. A year ago, I'm, uh, I'm in Delhi. I was on a trip for five days there. And I was staying right in the center. You have uh, the parliament there. You had uh, this, the embassies. It was beautiful, very privileged, designed by a chap called Lutchins, right in the middle of Delhi. And a friend of a friend, uh, he took me out for lunch at the Smart Club and I had mutton. Mutton in England is like grizzly lamb, right? It's like sheep. Mutton in India is like amazing goat. I had amazing goat curry there. So I had this very privileged experience. And then I spent a couple of days with a chap called Aaron. And I sat on the back of Aaron's motorbike. We were driving, always seemed to be down the wrong side of the road. Um, we had, I was inhaling a lot of pollution. The, the pollution is really bad in Delhi. And we had the finest street food South Asia had to offer. And one day we were drinking Thumbs Up, which is like Indian Coke. And um, Aaron was telling me, as we were eating this meal, he's telling me that he'd been really impacted by a guy called William Carey. William Carey, you probably have heard of him, he left Northampton in England in 1793 and he moved to Calcutta in India. And he went to India and he loved the lowest of the low. He cared for them. He looked after those really despised in the caste system. And he shared the good news of Jesus with them. He also translated the Bible into many languages. And my friend said, Carey got that Jesus was for all nations. And so that's why he came to the margins. He went to the known margins. That was like Calcutta. Back then, that was the margins, to go all the way over to Calcutta. And Aaron said, I'm only a Christian because of the sheer love of people like Kerry, that he went to the margins. Otherwise, I'd be probably in poverty and I'd probably be worshipping idols. And so Aaron showed me where he goes. And we got back on his motorbike and we uh, went through the middle of, um, there's this 
there was this river that he drove me along the side of it. And the stench from this river was terrible because it wasn't actually like a nice river. Not that the Thames is a nice river, but comparatively, the Thames is a gorgeous river. This was a river full of sewage. And people, he showed me the slums, people living right on the side of, of this river. The mosquitoes were enormous. The stench was terrible because it was wafting in from the, the open sewer. And we'd go into these, he showed me a couple of little homes that he goes in and he shares the gospel in a community. Twenty of us were all squashed together in a room. Lots of women, lots of children, a couple of men. The walls were blackened from the open fires that they'd had, they have in those homes. And he'd share the gospel and the love of Jesus and a simple uh, message from the, the scripture that, that day. And then we prayed for some people. Jesus came for everyone. He came for people from every country, every background. And my friend Aaron, he exemplified that. He got that Jesus was for all nations, for everyone. And the good news is that Jesus came to save all nations by dying on a cross. This baby born at Christmas journeyed to the cross at Easter. Simeon said to Mary, look down at verse 35, he says, a sword will pierce through your own soul too. I think in that moment he's saying something so painful is going to happen because of this beautiful baby you've just got. And he's talking about the cross where she's going to have the pain of seeing her dear baby cursed on a tree, humiliated and mocked. And when Jesus died on the cross, a way was made for all nations to be made right with God. Salvation for all nations is in Jesus because our sin is forgiven at the cross. And our deepest hopes, I talked about our hopes earlier, our hopes are to lead us to Jesus. Just as the hopes of Simeon and Anna led them to Jesus. The cross answers our deepest hopes. Everything that we're hoping for is fully met and fulfilled in the cross and resurrection of Jesus. Our need for unconditional love is declared at the cross. Our hope for ecological restoration is foretasted in the resurrection. Our hope for a perfectly just society comes from the cross, which both levels and elevates every human. Our hope for succeeding in life and work is given through the cross, the fountain from which all the blessings we experience come from. They all come from the cross. The cross is the place where Jesus meets our deepest hopes and he saves all nations. How should we respond? Well, I talked about how to hope at the beginning. Simeon and Anna let their hopes lead them to Jesus. Let your hopes, maybe you're going to review your, um, uh, your New Year's resolutions in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Let your hopes lead you to Jesus. The invitation, I think, from Jesus is, will you take me into your arms this Christmas? 
Simeon, verse 28, it says, he took him in his arms. Jesus invites you, will you take me into your arms? Will you personally receive me? We can ignore Jesus, we can reject him, or we can keep him at arm's length and not receive him. I heard, um, I read an interview that Elon Musk had with someone, and they said, what do you make of Jesus? And he said, well, I, I like Jesus' teachings, but he didn't go further than that. So as if he was keeping at arm's length. Or we can take him into our arms. I kept Jesus at arm's length for much of my teenage years. And then I finally took him personally into my life. If you do, you trust him as your deepest hope, your answer to your deepest need. Well, what will happen if we take him into our hearts, take him into our arms, as it were? I think what will happen, if we look down at Anna's response in verse 38. Coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. I think two things happen. One, we start thanking God. We are overflowing with thankfulness to God for Jesus. And then the second thing that happens is we start to talk to others about Jesus. That's what Anna did. She started to talk to others about Jesus. So as I was saying about our resolutions, maybe you can think about your deepest hopes for this next year. Maybe um, statistically a lot of our hopes are about fitness, apparently. Maybe you could turn them into, I want fitness, fine. I want spiritual fitness as well. I want to be more lively in my faith, in my walk with the Lord, in my prayer life, in my reading of scripture. I want to grow in my spiritual progress. don't want to get my identity in my work, but I want to find my identity in Jesus. Maybe that's, you've got a, a resolution about progress at work. Maybe in terms of understanding Jesus is for all nations, it looks like getting in touch with someone who's of a different nationality. Maybe you've got a neighbor or a friend who's from another nation. Or you've got a friend who's moved overseas to another country. And you could send them a link to the carol service. We'll have the talk uploaded online. You could share a link with that on WhatsApp. I've got a friend. He's developed some videos um, to engage with Muslims. Because a lot of Muslims misunderstand the incarnation. And so you could pick up one of these flyers at the back. And you've got... It says Happy Christmas in a bunch of languages, Arabic and Urdu and others. And you could say, Happy Christmas, I thought you might like to know the real story of Christmas. And then it's got a video to a link that we've got more at the back. Or you could invite a friend to our Christmas Day service. Maybe you know someone who's living in London and they don't, maybe they're not going to church on Sunday, uh, on that Monday, and you could invite them. Or you could invite them You've got a colleague who works with you. You could invite them to Alpha to join us next term. This would be us understanding that Jesus came to save all nations. So let our hopes lead us to Jesus, the one who came to save all nations. Shall we pray?
Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son. The one that Simeon and Anna had hoped for. And the one who all our hopes are fulfilled and met in him. And Lord, I pray that uh, you'd lead our hearts to wonder and worship him afresh this Christmas. And I pray that you'd give us opportunities to share the love of Jesus, the message of Jesus, with those who don't know you this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.